This, 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 this is mythical. Apartments.com has more rental listings than anywhere else. So finding the perfect place is easier than ever and so is finally moving in together, just the two of you. It's a big step. Lots of new responsibilities, lots of adjustments. Most likely, they'll wake you up at odd hours to go to the bathroom. And you'll most definitely find yourself in trouble coming home late for dinner. They may even unroll all your toilet paper next time. It's just what happens when you two find a new place together. But you're not doing it because you feel like it. No, you're doing it because you love them, because they're family. And that's why Apartments.com has more pet-friendly rental listings on the internet. Did you know that's what we were talking about? Yes. Pets so that you and your furry family can find the perfect new place together. Apartments.com, the place to find a pet-friendly place. Welcome to Ear Biscuits, the podcast where two lifelong friends talk about life for a long time. I'm Link. And I'm Rhett. This week at the round table of dim lighting, we're gonna be talking about our concert experiences. Okay. This is pretty fresh. Yeah. Because one of the ways so fresh, that man. I have been sort of experiencing the, yeah, I know the pandemic is not over, you know, yeah. but in the way that it has affected us so much and keeping us from our normal social interaction, our normal social, social situations, the way I kind of have broken the seal on that is through concerts. Yeah, that's a I mean that's a big one when you find yourself in a in a really large group of people. And especially when okay, now none of them are wearing masks. You know, it's like, all right, this is uh this, how, how this is that, a big moment. How did it did you find yourself um what was the first the concert? Fir, what was the yeah, the first one you went to? Well, uh, we went to that outdoor concert, uh, the Lord Huron concert. That was last that, year. That was last year. I think that was the. It was outdoors. Yeah. So it didn't really. It and didn't and register. there weren't seats. It was so you were you kind of had your own little zone. I mean, went to the John Mayer show at the Forum, and then you went the next night. You was the there third, three nights. I went the third. You night. went the third night. Um, I don't know if I went to any. No, I went to. Uh, the uh, a dead and company show, which was also outdoors. outdoors. So uh, yeah, Britain took me to one of those. But before that, I think before the John Mayer concert, we went to uh, a Clippers basketball game. I think the Clippers game. You might... call them basketball games a concert now? No, I'm just it's saying a, it's like a sport concerto. <laughs> well, there was like a performance of the national anthem, but I'm saying <laughs> that that for me was the right. first. I'm in an enclosed space with a lot of people, and that was basically that was right after uh, L.A. lifted the indoor mask mandate, and so and and pretty much I would say 95 percent of people were like, "Thank God." I'm not wearing my mask inside. There were still a few people, but most people were like, let's just get on with this. I was definitely on team, let's just get on with this. I'm not wearing my mask inside this place. I'm happy to be in here with all these, seeing all these smiling faces. Right. I mean, I, we watched the national championship and I was talking to Christy about it and she was, I was like, look at look at all those people and nobody's wearing masks and then they cut to a shot of Roy, Roy Williams. Williams. It's like, damn, Roy Williams is the only one wearing a mask yeah, in the whole place. No, Roy Williams has been wearing that same mask, that very like decorative, like Caroline, it's like, you know. Yeah. It, he's, he's been wearing it the whole time. Well, you know what, okay, good for him. I was like, yeah, okay. But yeah, concerts have definitely been a symbolic threshold that I've crossed um, to say, I'm, 
I'm getting back into I'm getting back into things like it's social on a whole new level. And so going back to concerts, I've found myself having a new perspective on a concert experience, something that I did not appreciate before the pandemic. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, cause you, you I'm, I mean, I'm so into music, but I've never really been a concert person. Like I would, when it comes to listening to music, I don't like listening to concert albums. Like I've but, never gotten yeah, that. Live albums I like, to not do it for I me. I like the studio process. I like the refining and the perfectionism, even when it's like intentionally, even if it's recorded live and it's, that's kind of the, the approach that they took in, in whatever album it is. Okay, this is a band. You can tell that they're doing this, this live. It's still um, presented, you know, it's, it's still, yeah. Groomed and 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 manicured and and it, it's as, not as that intended. Raw. And and there's people who will say you don't really get so and so artist until you see them live. And I've I've just never been one of those people. Even though we can talk about all the concert experiences we have, I do feel like I'm turning a, over a, a new leaf in terms of really appreciating the communal experience of being at a concert. Yeah. Everybody's there for the same reason, or there might be a couple of reasons people are there, but they're all positive, they're all celebratory, and and it, at least- Unless somebody the, lost a bet. The, well, yeah. I mean, there may be some people who are there because they lost a bet. That would suck. I mean, I've, I've never know. gone to a concert. In, in any given concert, there's probably one person there who lost a bet. And there's Just definitely so you know. people who are like, I'm only here because my friend didn't want to come by themselves, but I don't even know who this artist is, kind of a thing. Yeah. But by and large, you've got this group of people that are into this artist, and with the type of artist that we are both into, it's a very pot. It's not like an angsty experience. No. In fact, I was noticing. So, in a cor the course of two weeks, I went to the John Mayer show at the Forum, and then the Bahama show. Uh, which it was at a, I can't remember the theater. It's a cool theater in downtown, but it's a much smaller venue. Yeah. And I was just noticing, this is the, essentially the same crowd because- Well, even that shirt, you're wearing the Bahamas shirt and it's like got that it's, 80s. Yeah, he's kind of doing like the John Mayer, Sabrock kind of thing. Vibe. He does, it's much more funk focused, but it's still sort of like middle-aged white dude with electric guitar like, playing and kind of being in the groove. I would sort call of it music. more groovy than funk, but. Yeah, yeah. So, but one of the things that I noticed, because I, I like to sit down at concerts. <laughs> let me just. Right, right. And I'll get into that for, for a couple of reasons. But I was just noticing that even at the most intense moments of a John Mayer concert and the most intense moments of a Bahamas concert, it's still a bunch of people kind of going like this. Just kind of nodding just, their head, yeah, just, sort a little, of just moving their head. Just a little be, bob. There might be some person who's like really, there's a guy right next to us in the balcony at the Bahamas concert. So we got into the balcony so we could sit down at like a table. I was literally sitting at a table and I was like, this is how I want all concerts to be. Me at a table with my family and somebody and a waitress. <laughs> oh, you had a waitress? Coming up and asking what you want to eat and drink. I, I like that speed, man, especially for that kind of show where it's like. We did that at the Casey Musgrave show too at the Greek. There's a little section where you can sit at a table and somebody will come and get your food orders. Like, yeah, you may know I'm, the Greek. Get, so get me to the Greek. Man. I haven't seen that movie, but it's a great venue right there. 
in Los Feliz, like just a few blocks from where we first lived in LA. Some of my favorite concerts. Outdoor I, Amphitheater. I've seen there. That's it's, a great spot. It's a perfect venue. I, you know, at this point, I'm such on this concert wave that I'm like, maybe I'll just, I'll buy like whatever the season pass to the Greek is. There's you know, a lot of good people. I, to, I think this is a good idea because yeah. I, I've noticed it's a great night out. It's for for our family, we love to go, and I think this is true for you, we love to go as a family because we tend to all like the same music. Like Locke went to John Mayer all three nights with different sets of people and the last night it happened to be me and Shepard, <laughs> right? And then all, all four of us went to he Bahamas. He went to the Dead and Company. Twice. Uh, at least twice, maybe three times. Yeah. Cause were, that was that was last Halloween. And he, he, he this is what he does, he goes with a different Group of friends or a person each time he goes, and he and he's okay, a lot of times cool. he's drawing somebody in. Like kid, kids, eighteen year old kids don't like John Mayer. You know what I'm saying? Right. Some do, but yeah. So he's like bringing his friends to John Mayer, and they're like, I've never really even listened to anything that this guy does. This is this is old man music, and then they're like, but hey, it's pretty good. Because when you see somebody in concert, and you're like, well, I didn't know he could play the guitar like that. Like that's pretty impressive, and it's so different. Oh, so you're doing the thing once you you got to see him live to really get well, it. I think one of the things, and I and I and we talked about this in a previous episode about the resurgence of the garage band. That's what we called it, right? That, well, no, we talked about it in a um, in a carpool. Okay, on the That's, mythical you society. You got to be a member of the society to hear that. A those car conversations. biscuits, we call it. But it's like a twenty-minute version of ear biscuits yeah, in a so car. Our prediction about the resurgence, Every month. the resurgence of uh, garage bands. Almost as a rebellion to the idea of someone just kind of standing on a stage with a track going, which, which it can be incredible, and I respect, and I am into on some level. But I don't go to those kinds of concerts. I don't go to hip hop concerts typically, and you do. I went to. Um, well, first of all, yeah, as we as a family, all five of us, because Lily came home early, came back from college early. She started her spring break a week early, with so many classes still being online. She was able to justify coming home a week earlier, and then it just so happened she could come to the John Mayer show. So, like as a family, we were all into that. So it is cool for I agree for us to go as a family, and um, we had a great time. But I went with Lincoln and three of his friends to the Trippy Red show. V different vibe. Uh, yeah, it was at the. Um, YouTube Theater, which is like attached to the SoFi Stadium. Yeah which is in the same parking lot as the Forum. So it's like all in the same place. So this is like a, a smaller, a medium-sized indoor venue. And uh, yeah, we were wearing masks at that point. And it felt a little weird, but that was a, I'd never been to a hip hop show. And that was, I mean, the opening acts were kind of a joke, just people jumping around and not singing their own lyrics. Right while the backing track just kind of, and other people on stage kind of helped them out. Yeah. But I mean, Trippy Red definitely commanded the stage and it was just him. I mean, you, there was no DJ on stage, there was nothing else, just a bunch of fog and yeah. like a constant drone of an 808 that like in between every single song. It just keeps going? It would, this, the DJ who was like in the wings would just hit this this like low drone that shook your your all of your organs for until the next song started. And so sometimes he would, Trippy Red would like walk around stage or like take his shoes off. Mm. Or he would just be like mm. doing nothing on stage and people were going nuts. 
And it was just as like, like a one note, just like a constant. It's like an earthquake. Yeah, that kind of like every single song penetrates your soul. Yeah, that. So there was never a point where my ears got a rest, and I'm like, should I should I have brought earplugs? Possibly. I was, they make those ones. Uh, that you can wear, that you can still talk to people. I have a pair. I've never worn them to a concert because the concerts I go to are they're not needed. Oh yeah, that you you put them That's in. A good, and, I should have brought those. Christy has some. Christy has the because, same brand because of her uh, concussion. It like brings everything down to a, a, an acceptable decibel level, but yet you can have a conversation with the person next to you. It's magic. Here, here's the hot tip that I I can't remember who told us this, but. If if you don't take anything else from this episode of Ear Biscuits, you can remember this. If you're in like a super loud space, yeah. You, if you're in front of a speaker at a concert and you want to talk to the person beside you, and they're like yelling at the top of their lungs in your face, like getting that spit all over your face and in your or ear, or right in your ear and yelling, get, getting in your right ear. in your ear and yelling. That's what most people which, do. Which which can really damage your hearing even more. All you got to do. I wish I knew who told us this trick. You just take your finger, don't put it in your ear, take that little flap, mm-hmm. that little flap in front of, on the front side of your ear hole and push that in there and then just lean in and someone, and then you can tell the person, hey, talk to me at a normal volume. You don't have to yell. They have to get close to your ear. You gotta get close to the ear like you're whispering, just talk in a normal volume and it's like, it's like a miracle. Yeah, it's it somehow cuts through the frequencies or something. I don't know how it works, but you have to get everyone in your group to agree to this. I, in fact, and I it, suggest a training session before everybody goes into a concert. It's like we're going into a very loud place. Dad mode activated. And, and this we're this is how we're all going to we're going to speak to each other as if we're hearing something in an earpiece. Because okay? if you don't tell them, and they start yelling in your ear, and you cover your ear, it's like well, first of all, they do get the hint. Of, oh, I, he doesn't want me to yell in his ear, but also. Maybe he doesn't want to hear me because he's right. stopping. Yeah, up you got to got to preempt. This it. actually helps me hear you. Put this over. Put your finger over your ear and speak in a normal voice. Okay, uh, there's there's two, there's a couple of things that I've developed that I've realized that now that I'm going I'm going to concerts as an adult. There, there's a, there's a few things that have kind of changed and things that I'm embracing in okay. my middle age. But we'll talk about that in a second. And some things I want to I I want to go back and talk about like. I've written down some concert memories, yeah, and a lot of them we, we were both there for. So uh, I'll see if you can remember some of these things. There's some there's some pivotal experiences that we had at, at concerts. Oh and, yeah, and it sounds like we're about to be concert daddies. <laughs> well, about, emphasis on the daddy. Hey, you just see us at the Greek, you know? <laughs> or, we'll be there with ju- our finger in our the ear. Just dad. Ear Biscuits is supported by Live Nation. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, yeah. Alanis Morissette, okay. Cage the Elephant. Why not? Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. So one of the things that has changed for me, I was never a buy the t-shirt guy, 
but I have become a buy the t-shirt guy. And wear it, look at you, you're and, wearing and it. I, and you know, I'm wearing it as a as a visual aid. Um, this is the obviously the Bahamas concert one. What I, did you realize? Because I've had some some thoughts about this too. Well, two things. What happened? Two things. Kids, right? Okay. So kids happened a while back, but you want to you you know you're the dad and you want to get your kids something oh, to remember okay. the the concert by. Yeah. Um, and I'm, this this is going to sound weird to you. But one of the things that has actually changed for me is the way that I am viewing t-shirts in general on two levels. Stay with me here. Okay. One is very recently, but also very rapidly, my relationship with t-shirt fit has changed. And it's really just a response to the changing styles. Meaning that if you go back, if you go back like, eight, nine years and you look at Good Mythical Morning and you look at some of the stuff we shot, like our t-shirts were so freaking tight. I mean, you had some that were so tight that they were painted on and I was right behind you. Not quite as tight, but like we were wearing some tight t-shirts, right? Yeah, it made me feel secure. I was wearing a medium as a, 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 a short sleeve medium and I, you were wearing a short sleeve small. I guess I was small. small, yeah. Yes, and then we transitioned to you were wearing a medium and I was wearing a large. Like if we were wearing our own merch, I was wearing a large. And then in the past few months, I've just like quickly gone back to an XL, which is, it's really a response to the styles changing, right? So the effect that that had on me being able to buy a t-shirt at a, at a venue oh. is like, I can just pick the XL and it's gonna, it's gonna be a little bit bigger, but like when you're wearing a shirt that has there's to fit tightly. Yeah, yeah, there's no forgiveness. It, the fit has to work really well and okay. it has to be long enough for me. But okay. I'm just like, I'm gonna get the XL, so I just walk up and I pick the design I want and I'm just say, XL, and so I just you, walk out you, with it. You always wanted to get a shirt, but you never felt eligible. I don't like T-shirts. Like I don't like going to a site on the internet and picking T-shirts that have designs that I like. It's I don't know why, it's kind of stressful. And I just, I don't wear that kind of t-shirt very often, but I like buying t-shirts that are connected to things that have happened. Yeah. So like if Link, uh, uh, Locke and I are on a road trip and we stop at a restaurant, they have a t-shirt, I'm gonna get that t-shirt because it's like a memory from that place, right? And obviously concerts are the perfect opportunity for this. It's a good this. souvenir. So I've changed my whole relationship with them. So now if we go to a concert, even if I'm just going to a concert with Jesse, I'm probably gonna get a t-shirt. XL, the one in the corner, XL. and. If you see somebody on the street who went to the show and they see your shirt, they pretty much know that you were at the show because they'll sell, they don't usually sell that merch online. You can only get it at the show. So, it, right. you know, so it's this insider type thing that, that yeah, I've also you gotta have the, to. the tour exclusive stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm feeling that. So, that that's a big change in my life is A, buying t shirts with stuff on them. I mean, I'm embracing that, but and the, B, buying concert t-shirts. The thing about buying tickets is that they're still really expensive. I mean, especially if you're taking your whole family, that's the thing that I'm still getting over. And then realizing where, like there's all, the, like getting used to the mad rush of getting a good ticket when they first, you know, are released. Yeah. Making sure you, you can like master the art of securing a ticket in the right spot. Cause I like more of a balcony where I can, well, I've never been down on the floor. Oh. Like, I don't think I'm ready for that. 
Now I know for you and your tallness and stuff, there's, but for me, I'm just, I like to have the option to sit down. And I don't wanna be forced to stand the whole time. I mean, if it's a smaller venue and there's like, there's no seats down there in like the pit, it's like, that makes me, I don't know, that's a bit, that's a lot to be down there in that. I'm not, I'm not to that point yet. I think I'm I more would, of a lay back I, and I enjoy I think I it. would be okay with standing, but from a very, like I'm saying all of my adult life and definitely since high school, every, any type of crowd, it doesn't matter what's happening, but concerts apply. They fall under the, the umbrella of a crowd and people watching something. Being six, seven, Every single decision that you make about placement and posture is 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 filtered through being that big of a person. And now being yeah. that big of a person with this much hair as well. Oh wow, they can't even look over your shoulder. So I am so conscious about this. And it, it like it actually can ruin an experience for me if I get a bad seat and I'm in a place where every oh, everybody's standing up now. I've got to stand up. So what happened, obviously what I'm saying is that if I stand up, whoever's behind me, and usually two rows behind me and like three people wide, they can't see anything. And it and I don't like being that guy, right? So at the Bahamas, con uh, at the John Mayer concert, at the Forum, of course there's the standing room down on the floor and then there's- Actually the they were seats. But they all stood up the whole but time. But they all stood up the whole time. But yeah. then there's the the balcony and we were on the second row. I wanted to get first row, but we got, it was a, it was a you know, last minute decision. So we got second row and I was like, dang it. Because if you got first row, you could s stay seated stay all the time, seated all time regardless of, of what happens. Right. So we get there and then John comes out, immediately two girls in front of us stand up. And so I hear the yeah. woman behind me, he was very vocal, said a lot of funny things about John Mayer and how sexy he was and what was happening to her body every time he picked up a new guitar. Oh, really? Yeah, she'd be like, John Mayer, fuck, fuck me. Really? Like, yeah, stuff like, not, not asking that's, him to do that, just, just like, she's like, strange. oh, John Mayer, you are so sexy. Like, it just was- saying that stuff? And she was with a dude. Just like, like her husband. I mean, just I guess like it, verbally processing her sexual frustration. Like, oh no, now you've got the green guitar. Oh, fuck John Mayer. Yeah, she was really into John Mayer. When That's, he picked up that Dobro-like thing, that was, she lost it. She lost it? Yeah, uh, she, oh, he's so fucking sexy, John Mayer. Huh. Yeah. Her water so, broke. <laughs> yeah, well, some things happened. So, but she says, this is the first thing I heard out of her mouth the whole night. She says, oh no, we're not standing up. <laughs> That's what, as soon as these girls, cause this is a bunch of middle-aged people and there's some like 20 year old girls stand up. Oh no, we're not standing, oh, not standing up. Give me a break. How can you be that into somebody, but then not want to stand up for them? Well, because the reverberation of the stand. I was on team not, I wasn't gonna stand up. I didn't stand up. So, okay, I was that guy, but we, I made my son do it. We definitely stood up. Well, here's what I said. We were a little further back than you. Nope, they were the only people that stood up and then there was a resistance to st to sitting up, to standing up. Oh. And then I, I leaned over to Locke and I said, Locke, tap, tap on that girl's shoulder and, and, and ask her if you can sit down. Really? Yeah. I was like, I'm just gonna try it. I'm like, you're gonna get, no, you're gonna get him to try it. I'm gonna get him to try it, yeah. Because I like an 18 year old kid asking yeah. is different than a dad asking, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, and he was fine with it because he was feeling the vibes and what people were saying behind us. And he, and he taps on her shoulder, she turns around, and I see, I guess I couldn't hear what he said, but she like looks at him and shakes her head. 
and she keeps standing up. And huh. I, I said, what did she say? She said, no. I was like, okay, all right. I, I, I'm I, on team keep standing. Okay, so let me tell you what I did the whole concert. It's she, tough though, she, it is tough. They stayed standing, I stayed seated the entire concert until the last song. Yeah, because you're different. Because I was like, and so I kind of like, you're Shepherd, so much taller. Shepard got a little bit shafted because he was more blocked by them. And so Shepard would, Shepard and Lot would stand up quite a bit. They stood up the whole time. And then Shepard and Lot would stand up when everybody else stood up. And I would never stand up because I'm almost standing up anyway, right? When I'm seated. And then I would kind of lean around these girls and kind of, I could see half of the band. Whole, one, whole, one whole half of the stage didn't see it the whole night until the end. Oh, no. And then I could see the screens. The screens are great in the forum. Well, so I, I, I guess- But maybe, I can't do it. Maybe I'll backtrack a little bit. I don't bit. wanna do what that girl was doing to me to 15 people behind me. They bought a premium seat for sitting down. Right, you, I, switch seats with me, for God's sake. I'll sit on the front row and sit down. It's no different to you. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why. I mean, I know why they were standing because they're really into it and that's how they get into it. It's like saying, it's I guess in their minds, it's like going to a party and saying, hey, don't don't dance at this party it, or don't listen to this if music or if you're going don't to, have a good time. If you're going to a John Mayer concert and you want to stand, get stand, get the floor seats. That's all I'm saying. Well, they're the floor ex- seats. I mean, they're expensive, but I think that if getting the seat that needs to be a, is for people who want to sit. I, I think that's the that's the complicating factor. I'm sensitive to the fact that people want to stand up and enjoy a concert and kind of dance and whatever, but you know, our, my, I guess my choices as a six seven person become the back row of the top, which I'm not going to do because I'm I'm not going to sit there, or the back row of the bottom, and it's like that's. Did Jesse stand up? Because she, she's short. Er. She wasn't at, she wasn't say. at John Mayer. It was just me and the boys. Okay. But did Shepard stand up so that he could see? Yeah. Yeah. And, he, and Locke but, stood up. But he, you know, he still blocked a little bit. But and yeah. then the woman, the vocal woman behind you, did she stand up? Uh, very reluctantly, a couple of times she'd be like, Oh no, we're standing up. That's what she would say. The same woman that was just losing her shit at John Mayer's sexiness. That doesn't add up to me. I was like, oh, Unless no. there's some sort of condition or like reason that she can't stay standing. No, but I think it's just because it's just like, Hey, I'm enjoying this and I'm and I'm here and I'm in the moment. I don't I, have you to know stand what? up. I, to... I used to be that way. And now I'm like, You know what? Stand up, get your body moving, like really engage in it. Like I was. I was dancing, man. I was moving all over the place. Oh, I know your type. I, there, I, there's like, I'd see like one out of- I was loving One it, out man. of like 40 people at a concert is your type. It's like that guy is either on drugs or just a certain type of personality. I, was, it, I wasn't like moving like I was in another drug universe no, or something. No, the guy next to me at the Bahamas concert- I've seen that. Who he, literally, he and his uh, partner- Another dimension. They had, they had a table with the waitress and everything. I was like, there's no need to stand up, brother. But he was just, I mean, he was like, it was like, you might, you feel like you might get hit by him if you were close to him. Like, I was glad that I was like two two seats away from him. It was like he was trying just, to shed his own skin, like yeah, a snake. Yeah, and I was just like, man, like, you're also with me here and it's you're making it a lot about you and I'm trying to focus on this and it's like somebody is like directing traffic <laughs> in an alternate universe right next to me. You know? Well, I mean, dead and company, you see it all. I mean, they're you know it. It's multi generational, which is interesting. So is John Mayer. 
multi generational, but yeah. like it's also multi like substance. <laughs> like man, yeah, 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 it's yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah. Those people have a great excuse. <laughs> yeah, but I just don't. I mean, I. It is fun to like give yourself over to like you know dancing, but it, I, I you are an exception because you know that you're inconveniencing. It, people, you're blocking so many people. There are, but so you have to get that if, front row if, seat. If man. I go to a concert and everyone is standing, or if I'm like in a lawn situation, do you where hunch? People are, no, where people are standing, I just, I, I'll, st I just stand up and I'm like, some people are going to deal with this, and, and it'll, it's not it'll your be fault. Fine. People know it's not your fault. You're that tall, but I did see on like the Reddit forums because I was looking at what people were saying about the John Mayer show afterward. You know the the. The most hardcore fans are the ones that are, you know, they give them the hardest time about like picking apart the set list and this night was better than that night and all that stuff. But then people also posting, this was my view and it was just a tall person in front of them. Yeah. So it's like very well could have been you if you stood. So you did the right thing staying seated. You took one for the team. Those girls in front of you didn't do that. I, I don't. Yeah, I I can't come down on one side or another. Yeah, I, I think like it's their right to stand. Every time but not I'm yours. In, a, in a space <laughs> like that, I feel like there's got to be a different way to design spaces. I mean, what if you just stood up? But you know, in a lot of the photos that we take together, you'll stand up and then you'll just spread your feet apart. Yeah, but that's problematic too because you got people and you're it's very small. Yeah, areas. but it's your family. So your family is basically standing in front of your thighs as you're like spreading for two hours. Yeah, that's, I can't do an air chair for that long. Not an air, a, a, a spread is different than an air chair. I mean, and, but if I'm standing up, I am moving. Like I, I don't, I'm not like my, there, there's like if I was inside of a cylinder, you mm -hmm. know, I don't know how big that cylinder would be. There's there's movement that happens within that cylinder, but like my hands and stuff don't escape. Oh, my hand, from yeah, the, from okay, the yeah. When stuff. it comes to dancing, yeah, I I I agree with the cylinder. It's kind of like you like the the beam me up pod on Star Trek. You got to stay within stay that thing. That. That's your space. Yeah, I mean this whole. The, I mean, listen. I mean, I, I, keep, I don't even want to get into the by my collarbone into the mosh pit thing. I keep my pit. My 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 fist by my pits, you know. Yeah, one I've, of these things. I've seen, I've seen that move. Because it's like, it, but and you wouldn't be into a, you wouldn't be into a, mo a mosh situation like that. The whole the swing too old for that man. This, but at no point in my life, at no point in my life, was I ever into the idea of like getting an arm in the face. You know, like an unexpected. Like I don't I don't understand the appeal. Ear Biscuits is supported by Superfeet. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Well, guess what? Your feet don't have to hurt. When you add the signature orthotic shape of Superfeet insoles to your shoes, you give your feet comfort and support where they need it most, helping redistribute forces to reduce stress and strain on your entire body, not just your feet. Superfeet insoles are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. Since 1977, Superfeet has helped millions of people worldwide experience the life-changing magic of comfy, 
pain-free feet. Superfeet insoles upgrade the fit, feel, and function of your footwear to help you feel your best. The signature orthotic shape of Superfeet gives your feet the right type of support where you need it most. Physicians not only recommend Superfeet to their patients, they wear Superfeet insoles in their own shoes. Superfeet is the number one doctor-worn and recommended insole. Superfeet has thousands of five-star reviews and is the insole of choice for top athletes on the field, on the ice, and on the slopes and everywhere in between. Superfeet has a wide range of insoles for every activity, every shoe, and every foot. From cushioned and flexible to firm and supportive, you can dial in your fit by taking their quick online quiz. We took the quiz, we've got our, mm-hmm. our insoles coming, they're on their way. You just answer a few short questions and Superfeet will recommend the best insole choice for you. Visit superfeet.com and enter the promo code EAR at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. I'll tell my experience with that. So this was senior year in high school, it had to be. So Kurt Cobain had passed away and then Dave Grohl started the Foo Fighters and then they released their album. So this is, you know, this is probably, I guess this was like 96 and um, maybe 97. And they had a show at the, I think it was the Ritz in Raleigh and the, let's see, I wasn't dating, yeah, it was pretty early in senior year because I wasn't dating my girl, my, my girlfriend, who was my girlfriend for senior year and freshman year of college. But like this, the other girl that I, another girl that I would take home from school, I took Candace home from school and uh, she was a sophomore, she was the same age as the girl that I was interested in who would later become my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And then, so I and so I was talking to her about the show and like the Foo Fighters have a show and she's like, I wanna go. I was like, okay, let's let's go to this show. And we were just friends. I don't right. know if she was interested in me, but she also knew that I was interested in her friend. And then whenever we decided to go, which is a strange thing looking back on it, like the two of us were gonna go to this show, but very early on I was like, I, I wanna invite so-and-so. And maybe we had started dating or maybe we were about to start dating, but this was very early on. And so it was like, then this, I, it was basically Candace's idea to go to this show, but then it was my idea to bring, I'll just say she was my girlfriend, I can't remember the. Can't remember her name. I can't, <laughs> it was, I can't remember the, the, uh, the chronology of it, but right. it was basically like first, second or third date. I was like, oh, I wanna bring her. So it was the three of us who went and it was even though it was Candace's idea, she became the third wheel. Yeah, that's And we go to this show and we go so early and there's no seats in this place. It's one of those like black box theaters and you cram in, like literally everybody crammed in. I don't remember there being an opening act, um, but it was, I mean, this is like on the, you know, Dave Grohl, Foo Fighters on the heels of, Nirvana's no more, this is all we've got. This is the new version of Nirvana. And um, so we will show up and people just started packing in, packing in, packing in. And we were about four people back from the front of the stage. And- Just general admission. Yeah. And we waited there for probably an hour and a half waiting for the show to start. And more people kept showing up and they, they kept packing us forward. And it was like, we started getting smushed, mm-hmm. smushed, smushed, smushed. And it started getting hot. I, I hate 
this feeling. And it was a type of thing where it was so tight that you couldn't, you were shoulder to shoulder, chest to back everywhere. And th they started, like the security guards after an hour of this, they started handing out water bottles. Sometimes they would just fling the water on everybody. It was like, it felt post-apocalyptic. And then they would hand water bottles and people would be guzzling water bottles, just like, just dying of thirst. And you would just hand it around. I was drinking water out of water bottles after somebody else drank half the, the bottle. Just I didn't, to survive. I didn't even know who they were. Like, for me to do that, you know we were desperate. But it was the 90s. And then. It was before germs. And then they, yeah, and then they, Foo Fighters came out and they started playing and then there was another press forward from like way in the back. Like everybody wanted to get to the front but there was no way to do that. And we were smushed so close, it was, you couldn't breathe. And then uh, I looked over there and uh, Candace just all of a sudden just, I was looking at her and then all of a sudden, boop, she dropped, oh, she was no. gone. That, this is just dangerous, man. And we And since we were so close to the front, you know, we and some other people like waved, said, hey, we need some help. And we like picked her up and like she was, she wasn't unconscious, but she was like very woozy and like not with it. And we put her over the barricade and gave her to a security guy who then took her away. There she and goes. There she there goes. goes. the third wheel. I'm like, well, yeah. No, she no she gets home. No more third wheel, <laughs> I'm just here. And I was like, I mean, it was so, I'm so embarrassed well, but what that the, we did not follow her. Yeah, what are the ethical, like, what? <laughs> it was just like, she was if gone before wheel, we knew it. If a third wheel of a date drops, and it is being taken care of She'd by professionals. Taken care of by professionals. Can you just move on? I mean, I, I don't I don't know if you should feel bad. Was I supposed to jump over the if, barricade? If this person uh, is a designated third wheel and the third wheel, by definition, if you're riding a bicycle and the third wheel falls off, you can keep riding. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right. that's why they call it tricycle a third wheel. To a it's unnecessary. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not that I and was thinking that. if you feel like the that. third wheel is taken care of, you can keep riding. I mean, I and did. you did. You shouldn't feel bad. I'm about sorry, this. Candace. I'm sorry for what what we did. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I I didn't mind being pressed against my new girlfriend. That was nice. Like that was nice. It's like you know, it's like okay, it's like we, we're kind of skipping the holding hands thing entirely because I'm every part of my body's pressed up against the well, back of your you body. You had to make a choice though, because if you're side by side, you're both pressing against strangers. So you, oh, I got must, behind, you got her. behind her. Yeah, I got behind her. What, did you get in front of her? No, because that. <laughs> once I got behind her, there was no getting in front. Once you were in a spot. Oh yeah, you were locked in. You were, you were locked in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, so I was kind of protecting her from the crush. Right. I, I just think it happened so quickly, I, w I wasn't making, I, you know, my brain wasn't fully formed. Right, yeah, until 26. And I was dehydrated, and I'm not proud of it. She ended up being okay, you know. But how, how uh, much later did you convene? I believe it was after the show. <laughs> when? So the entire show, she was kind of. Like where was she? She was, she recovered and then she was kind of in the back. We didn't have cell phones. Right. Um, That's why they could just throw water all over the crowd, no phones to worry about. I mean, my girlfriend was her friend, so it was just as much on her. It was up to her. We were just bewildered. Call. Yeah. To, to know what to do. I hate that. I, that was scary. It was, I've never been, the closest scary. I've ever been to, to that circumstance was actually when uh, 
State beat Florida State, and we all rushed the field. Uh, oh yeah, Chuck, you could Chuck Amato's like first year, and everybody was getting up on the goalpost to bring it down, and I was in this crowd, and I was like, and first of all, as a tall guy, you actually have an advantage here. Like you don't feel like you're, you can see over everybody's head, but even then, I was like, I just feel like I could fall and get trampled. And then the goalpost, whoever was on the goalpost, the lots of people, it comes down. Wow. And this is back when they didn't make the breakaway goalposts. You know, this is before they started making the ones that they just collapse at the end of the games or whatever, or they, you can't bring them down. This giant goalpost comes down and literally is coming down. I've moved my, I'm locked into position, but I move my head out of the way and it bounces off my chest and then falls what? on the ground. Yeah. That's crazy. And it was like, and then they do. We just all, then I just pick it up and we start carrying it to Hillsborough Street. And but wow, I felt so. I wasn't there for vulnerable that. in that. And so I've never. If I sense that happening in a, I don't. The thing is, is go I the don't other way. go to the types of shows where that is a phenomenon because I'm a middle aged dad. So and like Locke goes to hip hop shows, but he just goes with his friends. And I'm like, you just you, you, you at can Trippy do that. Red. There was an open mosh pit area and. People were trying to mosh, but they weren't good enough at it, and there wasn't quite enough people to form a tight enough space to f to then create these mosh pockets. And the Foo Fighters, it was so tight that people were trying to mosh, but it wouldn't happen. There was some crowd surfing, and then at the very end, they went into this whole like ten minute feedback driven start to destroy their equipment thing, which was pretty amazing to be a part of. Y years in. A couple of years later, I saw 311 at the same place. It wasn't <clears> quite <throat> as crazy. We actually saw No Doubt. I was there, there for too. the No Doubt show. Okay, we saw the No Doubt In show. In the back. That was that was that was like Tragic Kingdom album, like their first album and they were like huge. Still playing clubs, basically. Don't, don't speak, all of that, you know, all of those spider webs, all um that was that was a fun show. Um but I guess, yeah, when my girlfriend we left, we made it out, Candace was okay. Hopefully she didn't tell her parents about how much of an a-hole I was. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The companion story to that is the concert at Campbell University. Campbell University would have these like Christian bands come into D. Rich Auditorium and we would just show up and 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 go to some of these shows. Yeah. And a little bit later, as Wax Paper Dogs, we would perform at like one of the festivals. One of the, one of the fest one of the Christian music festivals that was like smaller time. But I remember there was a group of people up there watching, I think it was Third Day. Yeah, Third Day came to Campbell. Um, and I don't know, I was in I was in the back and I was chewing gum and my girlfriend was there and she was somewhere. And the, but we weren't together at this point and I was kind of in the back. Maybe you were there. Do you remember this concert? Third I was Day? at the Third Day concert. Okay, we were there. We were probably hanging out in the back where like you could be in a seat, you could sit down, you weren't up front where there was like a lot of people pressing together and I just, I don't know why I did this. Again, I guess I was an asshole. I didn't realize like I, that this was the third day concert where you did this. I was 
I was done with my gum and instead of putting it behind my ear, swallowing it, or you know what, putting it in a receptacle. Or just continuing to chew it. Or just chewing until it until you see point. a trash can. I took it out of my mouth and uh, I have the gum in my hand and then I just, I don't know, I didn't really think about things. I, I don't think that I had, a, there was no, it wasn't an active decision besides just being an asshole, I guess. And I took the gum and I just threw it towards the front into the crowd. I threw it into the crowd. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Again, it's like I'm I I have no defense for this. Like I was I don't know. It was just like a teenager do like that's as bad as I got. Like, ooh, I'm so bad. <laughs> Look at me. I'm throwing my gum at a bunch of Christians. <laughs> and I'm also a Christian, so yeah. hey, we're in this together. And then uh, a few minutes later, uh, or a, a while later, um, I did find my girlfriend, and we were hanging out. And she was go. She said, "You want, you wouldn't believe what happened. <laughs> like somebody threw gum in my hair. <laughs> Out of all the people up there at girlfriend. the crowd, I threw the gum in my own girlfriend's hair." <laughs> and I did not tell her that I did. It. You never told her. I'm pretty sure I didn't, man. You never at any point in your relationship told This is her. one of those stories that I've, I told, You've this, told story this story eight somewhere. years ago, yeah. six years ago, and you, I wonder if at that point I, I remembered got, more and I did get, tell her, back but her. my recollection is that I never told her that I threw that gum in her hair because if I'm an asshole enough to throw gum, I'm also an asshole enough to not own up to it when it lands in my girlfriend's did, hair. Did you, was it currently in her hair or was she like, I got it out, I've been, this is what I've been doing for the past 20 minutes. You know what, I don't remember. I don't remember that part. I, got, I found some peanut butter <laughs> at the convenience stand. It, it might. I'd like to think that it wasn't in so deeply that it, it wasn't, didn't work. Its it wasn't way like in. a it was like, in a toddler's oh, what is hair. That? It was like, oh gosh, and then yeah, and she pulled it out of like the five strands of hair on like the surface of her head. Whose gum is this? So oh, now I apologize to her too. I don't know. It's like so. Concerts brought out the worst in me. The thing I guess. is, is that by telling her, it probably would have made her feel better in one sense because it's just like when you're grossed out by somebody's gum and their saliva, to be like, oh, that's my boyfriend's saliva. I'm going to get some of that later. Like, <laughs> and why like, did you do that? That's, that's not like, a big deal. Who am I dating? No biggie. Like, I definitely had had to have a sense that like this could make or break a relationship. Like, sh talk about showing your true colors. Because then you had to explain yourself. And there's no explanation. So that makes me think about the. We definitely went through just because of the culture that we were in, we went to Christian music concerts and Christian music sort of festivals and stuff. Now we always had this, we sat in judgment over Christian music even when we were in a Christian band. Because we had taste. <laughs> yeah, we thought that- By and large, it was not, it was like two-bit rip-offs it was rip -offs of whatever of was things. popular. And- With like cringy Jesus lyrics. I remember, so once we started the Wax Paper Dogs and we started getting, a, we were heavily influenced by 311 once we started trying to write our own music, mm -hmm. right? We were bleaching our hair, we were wearing the big jeans. The most worthy of influences. And writing, I was writing riffs on the guitar that I thought were approximations of 311. Yeah. They were very distant approximations of 311. And, but we were having a hell of a time. We, I mean, were. we were. really, And so we would go to these places and we went to one, place uh, not to play, but as fans, because Tooth and Nail Records was a thing. Remember that? Tooth and Nail ne Records may still be a thing, but that was they like- They had like alternative bands MXPX. That, that were pretty- um, 
They were more legitimate. But, MXPX was a punk band that was kind of like. Are they Christian? Well, are they not? Well, No FX was like a very well-known punk band that then, okay, so then it's okay, let's do our Christian version of that, MXPX instead but also, of No FX. We like we we also had a little bit of like had a, a, lip a ring. judgmental eye towards tooth and nail bands because the way that we would do our music is it was pretty explicit. I mean, musically it was all over the place. Lyrically, it was also all over the place, but it was pretty explicitly Christian. And then we would do invitations at our concerts. Just to, I know we talked about this before, but just to remind you, that's when at the end of your co your concert you start getting very serious and the music gets very serious. And then Link, in this case, who was the lead singer, would begin to spin. <laughs> and just, you know you know this man. And just think about giving like 17-year-old Link Neal, the one that was throwing gum in his girlfriend's hair, the responsibility of, of speaking off of the cuff about Jesus and God and the plan of salvation and then offering an opportunity for people to make a decision for Christ in the moment. I so wish we had videotape of this. Oh my gosh. Um, but that's how we did our concerts, right? So I don't know why we we looked down our nose at MXPX no, because, because they, they, were le they were legitimately talented. We looked down our nose at them, not musically, we looked down our nose at them a little bit in like, maybe side eye to be like, these guys like legit Christians or they just kind of like. California Christians. Yeah, like I mean, how, how Christian are these guys? So what do you remember about the show? I remember going to the MXPX show and there was other bands that were playing. Surprisingly, not a lot of people there. No. And then I just remember going to the bathroom. Okay, yeah, that's what I remember. And the lead singer was pissing at a urinal. And so were we. And so we did too. Do you remember saying something to him while he was pissing? Because uh, I don't think I would have done that. I've had people do that to me many times. But I probably did, yeah. It's like, hey I don't man, know what I said. Hey man, love your, love your music. Something, something nice. How's your wiener? Something, <laughs> something. In Shake, some, shaking in, it? In, in, an insincere compliment. Yeah. That's all I remember about that the tooth and nail of it all. I do remember going to Carowinds for the Christian Music Day and Audio Adrenaline was headlining that festival. And I remember being really into the music that day because you're kind of like in this youth group setting. But boy, yeah, they were I've, good. It was pouring down rain. No, but I have, but it was covered. The The venue at Carowinds was largely covered. So we got under that part. Oh, I remember already being soaked. But don't you remember that song, Big Big House? Yeah, with lots and lots of room, a big, big table with lots and lots of have food, you, a big, big yard where we can play football, a big, big house, it's my father's house. This is a song about heaven for, that seems like it's for preschoolers. But here's the thing. I, I feel like I can stand up for them a little bit because you go back and listen to the song, it is like the cheesiest song you can imagine and you can't yeah. imagine any teenagers ever being into it. However, so much of 90s music was like that. Yeah. Even I the non-Christian stuff. Musically, they, they, they had chops like, as far as I remember. The lyrics in 90s music, with a very few exceptions, was just so like just, but we weren't, I wrote this on the back of, back of a napkin but we did, three seconds we ago. We didn't listen to Christian music, we listened to secular music. We listened to 311, we tried to like, 
we're gonna be, we're gonna emulate them, but we're gonna do this legitimately in a, in a Christian band circle. But I remember going to freshman year in college, Incubus. Oh came. yeah, yeah, yeah. They were releasing their second album, and I had discovered them the year before, and we started emulating them in the band. And this was kind of weird because th- we were sort of peaking in our Christian, not peaking, but we were getting to a very high level of sincere Christian commitment in that every area of our lives was affected by our our sort of commitment to Jesus. Oh yeah, so, but I was a huge fan of Incubus, I knew that the- Which literally that, means the demon that comes and screws you when you're sleeping, right? Yeah, but the, um, you know, I knew that the that the man, this picture of the guy from the 70s on the cover of their albums was the lead singer Brandon's dad. Like I had done like my internet research. That's the only reason I used the internet was to look at bands' websites. Yeah. I was like, man, they're bands coming- dads. They're coming to Mission Valley, really small venue. And then I went there, we watched the show. Uh, this is Brandon still had dreads at the time. You went to the show with me, but I then did. I was like, I'm gonna hang out, I wanna, I wanna meet him. I wanna, I wanna talk to him. And so I waited a <laughs> I re- while. I remember this. I waited for a long time and then actually, maybe I went early because I remember it being daylight. It had to have been daylight, it had to have been early. So I go early and I'm like hanging around and then I see him walking around and he's there's a laundromat on the other side of the venue, and he's going to do his laundry from like the tour bus. And I like meet Brandon, and I start talking to him, and I talked to him for a long time. And my my goal was to talk about Jesus well, of course. with him. I wanted I wanted to save the lead singer of Incubus's soul. Yeah, of course, you because did. I was such a huge fan. Yeah. How wholesome is that? Does that make up for me being an asshole? No, uh, actually, that is sort of very assholeish. Yeah, in, in a way, it is. Yeah. But I was, but I cared about him so much, and I liked him so much. But I wanted to. I knew that the only re- way I could connect with him is if he thought I was cool. So, like, I didn't ever really talk about Jesus. I, I got but this friend, man. I asked him He's about got long hair and a I, beard. I asked him about his spiritual beliefs, and he was very He's nice, kind of a hippie. And he talked to me for, I, I you know, it could have been an hour, man. I remember you telling me about this conversation because I was not present for. I, w- I went to the concert, but I didn't go to the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was awkward, man. It, it was. It would have been shorter if I'd have been there. Hey, uh, we, we got somewhere to be. <laughs> I think I got his email address. You still got the lead singer of Incubus's email address? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you maybe use it. I mean, I need to dig up my Hotmail account. Are they still an active band? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they got much bigger after that with their like third or fourth album. Well, speaking of bands' dads, just a little sidebar here. Uh, Post Malone's dad had, uh, tweeted, <laughs> you know, uh, like he was like, um, "Here's a little something to brighten your day," and it was our GMM episode. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So he's like, "That's hilarious. I just love the fact that he's his dad tweets. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. He's you know he doesn't have that many followers, but like he's very proud of his boy. <laughs> and uh, I got to look at that. Uh, but I, I was thinking about um, going even well. The first concert I remember is with my dad taking me to Beach Boys at Walnut Creek. So Walnut oh. Creek ended up being. 
kind of, I think it kind of changed our lives in a lot of ways, right? Because yeah. they built Walnut New Creek. New venue, outdoor amphitheater and on the edge of Raleigh. these big bands had an excuse to come to Raleigh in a way that maybe they weren't coming before. I don't know. Maybe they were just going to Dorton Arena in Fayetteville. There wasn't a place for people to play music that I remember. Unless it was like Carter Finley Stadium, like huge. Oh yeah, so. But yeah, Dorton Arena, like back in the 70s and it's in, in Raleigh had a, like Led Zeppelin. And you know who else has played Dorton Arena? We have. Red and Link. And, and Merle Haggard, who we saw uh, there twice. The uh, the Beach Boys were playing, and of course. You were young. I was in seventh or eighth grade. Oh. I went with my dad, and John Stamos was the drummer. Okay. I don't know if you remember. Uncle I don't know Jesse. How, I don't know how long he he did that gig, but he would be, he would, drum for the Beach Boys. It was kind of like John Mayer playing, like being the lead of Dead & Co, but not really anything close to that. But, right. so. Uh, Did you, you thought it was awesome though. I thought, of this course. Is Kokom, this is Kokomo days. Cause like, Full House was still happening. No, it wasn't. In seven, in 19, well, okay, when did Full, Full House had just gone off the air? In oh, 1991, okay, right. 1990? Right. 1990? I don't know, man. It might did they still, play Kokomo? Of course they did. Yeah, that was, I mean, and that was a big thing. I just remember, so the cool thing about Walnut Creek is the lawn, you know? I never, I actually don't remember ever sitting in the seats. It was always the lawn seats, lawn. Because you could get a, you get a ticket for like $30. Yeah, and my dad and I are on the lawn and there are these two uh, increasingly drunk middle-aged ladies next to us. And, and then I don't remember exactly how it happened, but my dad and I just end up slow dancing with both of them. What? <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, not like, not like, like just sort of just like having Aruba, a good time, Jamaica. you know? Like, and not for that many songs, but it just was something that just happened. And, and <laughs> it was, they Did were- you, And you never spoke of it again, kind of a thing? <laughs> it was just like, hey, we're just kind of Did Diane hear about dancing. this? Of course she did. It wasn't like, it wasn't a scandalous thing. It was just yeah. like a kind of a fun thing. It was kind of like the community square dance where everybody <laughs> can dance together. And yeah, yeah. And you're gonna go back, you're gonna ride long. your own saddle back home. And it didn't get, it didn't get, you know, it never turned. Sexual, even it, it, on any level, it was just very much just like. But this you, is a bit. But I crazy. know how you thought as a seventh and eighth grader. Well, what do you mean? Yeah, but I wasn't thinking about middle-aged ladies at that point. You weren't. I mean, okay, they, I'm yeah. talking. These ladies were in their fifties. Oh, okay. All right. right. I mean, uh, I remember. There's the, nothing wrong with that now. I'm 44. The, the, the first concert. Right, that, I'm just saying about when I was right. First concert 13. I remember going to was. My mom took me and you to see MC, MC Hammer, Hammer at the Dean, Dean Smith Dome. Center. Yeah, man, and that was huge. I was such a, I mean, this is like, can't touch this. So, it's such a huge moment in pop music. And you know, I was a huge MC Hammer fan. You were, you liked him, but like I, I had completely drunk the Kool-Aid. Something about, yeah, because. I, I didn't understand how much of a, how not good his music was compared to all the rest of the hip hop that was being made. Well, yeah, because we I were- I was just a little Southern white boy that didn't really understand it. Yeah, we were, you know, we were 13 years old. Yeah. Um, and it, I mean, everybody loved 
MC Hammer. He was a he was a pop icon. He wasn't a hip hop icon. Yeah, it was point. a different thing. And it, yeah, like the hip hop community was going was everybody was, they, was like they were rapping him. about him and right. making fun of him. And I was like, well, like well MC um, Hammer. Well, just just another point of reference to kind of bring this into complete clarity. Vanilla Ice was touring with him. Yes. So I, I mean, there's I, there weren't many hip hop artists who were gonna. Let Vanilla and, Ice open for him. In Vogue, Vanilla Ice did not show up that night. We found out when we got there, and I was so upset. Yeah, well, I think we were more excited about Vanilla Ice, to be honest with you, at that yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, just think about this: In Vogue, yeah, Vanilla Ice and MC Hammer, the big night, and then and my the, mom and your mom was there. She yeah. was there. My mom and my mom was into it. She was loving it. But Vanilla Ice didn't show up, but In Vogue really brought it. What a man, what a man, what a mighty good man. I remember I don't, feeling things. While I don't remember performing. a lot about the show, but it was huge. It was like a big stage production. It was like the biggest thing I've ever seen. Many years later, you and I went and saw the Stone Temple Pilots at the Dean Smith Center mm-hmm. um, as like sophomores in college. And that was a that's that show. I remember that show sounding really good. It, yeah, it, that music sounded like, great in that video. For it to be four guys, just like playing. The, I mean, like they were. Th- th- it was really impressive. And not just that, four guys and one of them's just singing. Yeah, I mean, like the the one gu- guitarist, the guitarist in that band, d- d- doing a show like that. Yeah, it's it's crazy impressive. The uh yeah, the um the guitarists and bassists are brothers, like the, the Leo brothers or something. So like they were uh yeah, they brought it, man. I was I was I, that's the first time I went to a show and I was like paying attention to the sound. Like this actually sounded good. And I remember our friend Josh wanted to go, but for some reason we we didn't invite him. I don't know. Sorry, Josh. It, well, Still a little bit of an asshole. Was it the Brooks and Dunn concert at Walnut Creek? Um, so we we saw a number of acts at Walnut Creek, including Van Halen, which we weren't even fans of. Just that wasn't our idea. We, we, we saw George Strait there, and we all got in the. Uh, Joey Smith drove his dad's suburban, and there was like nine of us in the suburban, and we were in the very back, and we were we were we were going to George Strait, so we were like cowboyed up. We we might have been wearing cowboy hats, maybe, definitely cowboy shirts, and we were um doing dip in the back. In, and, in the back of a Suburban, not a great idea. And I got so sick. Yeah, you gotta wait till you get the concert to dip. But was that the, which concert was it that somebody had tequila? That was it, it was Brooks and Dunn. So there was this huge tailgating thing happening in the parking lot. Yeah. And I, we were just, you know, we were, we were 16, 17 years old and I'd never, we'd never been to like parties where people are like drinking liquor and just raising hell, you know? And it's like, so we're walking around and I'm talking to people. Yeah. I'm like, like these these rednecks at the tailgate turning up tequila bottles. And I'm like, what's up guys, Brooks and Doug, woo! <laughs> you know, it's like, this is my, I'm like, woo! I'm gonna... You would think that I was drunk when I, I, yeah, I hadn't had yeah, a drink. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then once you start being friendly with these people, they're like, Hey man, you want some? You want a, you want a shot of tequila? And I'm like, oh, you called my bluff. I'm like, nah. Yeah. And, and then uh, I don't remember how it happened, but it was like, but I'll eat the worm. Yeah, right. I, th- I yeah, think yeah. I think that was my response. It's like, I'll eat a worm, though. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not approved. You're calling my yeah. You're you're calling my bluff. I'm not actually going to drink, but I will eat the worm because 
And he was like, all right. And he got Get the- Get that boy the worm. He got the worm out of the bottom of the tequila bottle and uh, I ate it. Wasn't the first time you've eaten a worm's anus. Yeah, it was the second. And it and it definitely wouldn't be the last. <laughs> Who knew that I'd make an entire career that, out that of it? You didn't was, eat the worm. No, I actually don't believe that I was present for that moment uh, because I remember hearing about it and feeling uneasy about it. You know, because that was yeah. that was in that moment where the, our friends were beginning to kind of party, and we were still right. a, a member of the group. Yeah, and like kind of like what you're saying, we never had prudish personalities. Like if you talked to us and you hung out with us, you wouldn't be like these guys are super straight edge. I had a it, raise hell personality. It's only when you but like a put, put us a against fundamentalist the fundamentalist mentality. Yeah, once in terms of what we actually did and didn't do, a conservative uh, and so Christian. When mentality. I heard that you drank. When you ate the tequila worm, I was there was a part of me that was like, mm, "Is that drinking?" I mean, a, I mean, there's some, there is some tequila in that. You know, there was I definitely this vibe of like, "What is Link gonna do if I'm not around?" Yeah, like I feel like I got to be there to keep him from falling. Yeah, uh, but it, I just and it ate always the worm. starts with the tequila with a worm, you know. Yeah, I, I the well, first step is it? the worm. <laughs> not not typically, <laughs> it did not taste good. I mean. It probably tasted better than if it wasn't soaked in tequila for a few months or however however long that happens. I think we saw Travis Tritt there at Walnut Creek. And I went to Travis Tritt with my dad, actually. I have seen Travis Tritt in concert, and I have to assume that it was Walnut Creek. It was Creek. pretty good, I remember. I remember we went into the Brooks and Dunn show, and that's where I bought the license plate that I put on the front of my truck, and I bought it as a joke. I just wanna go on record and say, buying a license plate that says Brooks and Dunn was a joke, it was irony and putting it on the front of my truck, but it was also like, not I don't know, at the same time. Not uh, that we like, did, we lived like that in a lot in a lot of ways. And they had a karaoke booth out there where like all the tents were, um, where you could like get your food and your your merch and stuff. They had a karaoke booth, and I went up there, and I we both didn't you sing too? I sang um, "Big City" by Merle Haggard. And I remember people would people stopped and started watching me sing it ah, because oh here's a 16 year old singing Merle Haggard I like this guy and I and I and it really fed into this redneck mentality I just don't have a I don't like, remember it was it was fun to be a part of I was a, and I was a huge Brooks and Dunn fan uh, the most the most memorable which is why we covered them the most memorable. Uh, Concert experience, though I I think has to be sort of the Merle the, the string of Merle Haggard experiences uh-huh. starting oh, at yeah. sixteen when we we go to down to see him uh, at the Alabama Theater in Myrtle in Beach. Myrtle Beach, and then I had to miss it, a soccer game. Is that that's the that's I, the night when we followed the tour bus? Yeah, I was a starter on the soccer team, and we drove my my Nissan pickup probably with the Brooks and Dunn license plate on the front, all the way down there to Myrtle Beach to watch the show. And then we were just gonna drive back, I think, because I don't think we got a hotel room. No, of course not. Um, but he was driving south after the show. And um, we th- these stories, kind of the string of Merle Haggard's stories are all told in detail in the Book of Mythicality in one of the chapters talk, talking about being a fan. That's right. Because it kind of came full circle. that we, we followed him as a kid. Saw him multiple times, including at Dorton Arena, and then always the youngest guys in the crowd. Yeah, it was just these two teenage dudes who were not with not with their dads. Three decades, yeah. You know, like there were some kids who were there with like 
grandparents or whatever, or yeah. dads, but not us. We were just there completely sincerely into this thing. And then, of course, as an adult, having the opportunity to meet him backstage <laughs> in that weird, I'm not gonna tell the whole story, but we've told the story in detail on Good Mythical Morning and in the in the Book of Mythicality. Yeah, but then, great. And then finally. Meeting get, him in a, get, at a point where we could see him. Getting on the tour bus uh, with him and going to the back of the tour bus and having him kind of sit there with a towel around his neck. Um, clearly, you know, a seventy-something-year-old a, a man, exhausted from playing another <laughs> night, and these two super fans coming back there and just like not knowing what to say and being that moment where you're <laughs> just like, I, I, "We followed you. We followed when we were kids. We followed you." across the state line and it's just so cool to get to meet you and you've been so, you know, you just don't know what to say to somebody who's been that influential. Right. And he was just kind of like, you could kind of see it on his eyes. He's like, I've heard this a million times. Right. All right, you got something for me to sign? Yeah. Yeah, I'll sign this, I'll sign your albums. Yeah, we got the albums uh, hanging up in our in our uh, office right there that he signed. He misspelled your name, but then he corrected it. He corrected it, it yeah. That was, that was good. Right, yeah. So. I mean, it's easy to do. I'm I'm glad that we're back on the concert train, and you know, it's 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 about creating an experience, like bringing people with you, and then having an experience with all the other people that you don't know. It's not, but I think you know, it's also not all all fun and games when you got people not wanting to sit down and people not wanting to stand up. You know, it ain't easy. There's lots of there's lots of things that can happen. And I always forget lots about- Lots of worms to be eaten. I always forget about that element of you're preparing yourself for this night and then you're like, oh, well, because the worst is when you're next to somebody who's just super drunk. Yeah. Super drunk and super spilling, loud. Spilling beer on you. Uh, and then you're just like, oh man, I can't, I'm not gonna be able to enjoy this. It's like going to a movie theater. And it's, in a movie theater, if somebody's being loud next to you, you can just tell them to shut up. Right. At a concert, I'm not going to be the person that you don't. I'm not going to start a concert fight. That's why you invite more people, and then you sit in the middle of all. Of <laughs> okay, yeah, that's a that's how you do it. Yeah, yeah. I, it might be a good idea to get that. Um, the Greek. I don't know about getting a season pass as much as I. I'm just thinking like between the Hollywood Bowl. Yeah. And the Greek theater Hollywood. and all the venues downtown where the smaller bands come. You basically, all, that's the great thing about being in LA. You you could be- You know everybody's gonna come Every through. weekend, almost every night of the year, you could probably go and see somebody that you have some level of familiarity with. Yeah, including Paul McCartney. Uh, he's coming to SoFi. I sh we should go see him. I mean, uh, but the reason why I brought that up is because that's my, I'm gonna give my wreck. Um, I gotta stay in the music zone. Another music documentary I watched on a plane, um, coming back home. McCartney 321 is a mini series, three episodes uh, on Hulu. It's, um, it's just Rick Rubin and Paul McCartney hmm. at Rick Rubin's, I think is at Rick Rubin's studio but they're in like a couple, it's very intimate, like the cameras are really far back and zoomed in and like they're just having this like very off the cuff conversation. Uh, Rick has his, uh, if you don't know who Rick Rubin is, that's, that's. Uh, I'd love to meet Rick Rubin. I think I gotta put him on the list, like that would be freaking awesome to meet him. Uh, legendary producer. He has his like, uh, 
mixing table, soundboard, whatever you call it out there. And then he's playing Beatles tracks and some Wings tracks and just getting, and then Paul is just talking about, and they're they're adjusting the levels and talking about it. And so like to illustrate a point that like isolate the vocals. So he had like the hmm. stems for all of these um, Beatles and Wings songs. And it's like, it's it, they're not too long. And it's, I mean, it's the opposite of like the get back thing if that's inaccessible to you, but you're like a more of a casual Beatles fan. Like Paul talks about how he teaches people to play the piano in in one of them. Uh, so each one is kind of themed in a different way. And it's just, it's very loose and. Uh, like he teaches people who are gonna be playing like with him. No, like if he was teaching a kid how to play piano, like a beginner. Huh. Yeah, I was like, I mean, my kids can play piano, but I still thought about sending it to to Lily, who, yeah, when we're talking about garage bands, you know, she's in a band. Right. Like, she just went back to school, and I was like, you getting together with your band? You guys are playing? Um, it's like, do you guys wanna play in places? And she's like, no, it's just for the fun of it. We might be putting together like a cover set list, and maybe maybe something will happen, but it's like, hmm. it makes me so happy that she's in a, that she's in a band. But uh, three, two, one, McCartney on Hulu. Well, it's called McCartney 321. Check it out. And we will speak with you next week. I'll be telling you all about uh, my recent road trip from Maine to Miami. For real, man. I've been waiting to hear about it. A you lot you can't tell me yet. So next week. Ear biscuits. Hashtag ear biscuits.